Welcome to the Twimmel AI Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Charrington. All right, everyone, I am here with Connor Jensen. Connor is Director of Data Science at DataEku, and he recently moderated a panel at TwimbleCon focused on AI operationalization. Connor, welcome to the Twimble AI Podcast. Thank you, Sam. Super excited to be here. Hey, so we are going to spend some time recapping your conversation at TwimbleCon. But before we do that, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your background and your role at DataEku. Sure. Well, try not to go too long, though it's always the, the short version seems way too sanitized. But I had a roundabout way of coming to, to data science. I dropped out of college when I was young, ended up after working you know, random jobs for a while, uh, ended up joining the military and was a weather forecaster. So I spent a term of enlistment as an enlisted weather forecaster in the military oh, wow. before getting out and going back to study math. So did math uh, after I got out of the military um, while working at Starbucks. So again, right, so still nothing to do with data science. <laughs> Eventually found my way uh, working in the insurance industry and thought I was going to be an actuary. And that lasted for about five seconds and realized that that was not the job for me. And then through some lucky happenstance, fell into building some data science teams. And so then... Really now, the last decade mostly has been spent, um, spent about 70 years in the insurance space and a couple of big companies helping to build out data science and trying to do new and different things in insurance, which was fun. Easier said than done, though. So it was a good Uh challenge of figuring that out. Was lucky enough to help build out platforms, too, which was, you know, so I'm definitely not a tech guy, but was really fortunate to get to do that. Before then, luckily through some of that experience, finding my way over to the tech side, and then now have just spent a few years with a couple of data science companies, really helping my former peers, the guys who were doing what I was trying to do back then, stand up and build AI platforms, data science teams, and really try to take, especially older companies that aren't AI companies into this space, which is exactly what we're talking about on the panel. So. Uh, that's awesome. That's that's quite a journey, and you know I hear all kinds of journeys, but that is a, a really interesting one. So, what do you do specifically at DataEco? So we have the data science team. Um, there's really two components to it. One is very much the data scientist, right? And so we have here in the states about 20 data scientists of about 60 worldwide that are essentially all of the user-focused support for our customers. And so we come in after customers has signed on, we help essentially everything from the platform and up. So we have engineers that do the implementation. But beyond that, you know, we're training users, we're doing coachings, we're helping them build out their first projects, we're helping them do their big challenging projects. So big team of data scientists to do that. And then to help them, we also have a team of AI consultants that are sort of the like consulting engagement managers on those. And so most of them are former data scientists as well but they're the ones who are sort of going and helping customers figure out what projects to work on, helping to scope them, um, either bringing our team in to work on it or bringing partners in to work on it with them and really doing the project management on it because project management and AI data science is very different than most project management. And so it's an area that we've really started trying to invest in because, yeah, we're throwing the traditional IT or, or project manager at it easier. It doesn't work out so well. Yeah, yeah. It, it sounds easier than it actually is to just throw some kind of agile, existing agile methodology that may have worked someplace else to your data science projects. No. And I don't think as a, like, 
as a data science sort of like industry that we've really nailed it yet either, right? So it's not like there's a framework to say, here's how to go do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're still all kind of fumbling a little bit trying to figure out how to do it. And so tell us about the panel that you organized at the conference. So the panel was really fun. Uh, we brought three customers together. Um, and I'd say three customers in sort of different phases of the life cycle. One that was really new, one that's been here for a year or two and has, has a data science team that's a little farther along, and then a team that's been here for a few years and is doing some really sort of like more advanced things. And it was really talking about the struggles in not so much the building the products, but how do you actually build a team that can deliver products into the hands of business users that get something done? And what's the hard part there, right? And so we talked about the people, the process, the technology, what's hard, what's simple, what's worked for people. It was really good to see sort of how this is playing out at those different customers in sort of different phases of that life cycle. Yeah, we talk about people, process, and technology all the time. Like, and that's something that, you know, it applies broadly to various waves of technology, not just data science and AI. Were there any particular kind of standout themes or lessons learned for you in those various buckets? One of the things that I thought was actually surprising to me when we were talking about it was that all the people on the panel found the people part to be pretty straightforward and that they hadn't had struggles with that, which was really surprising to me. That's long been <laughs> very counterintuitive, right? Especially talking about, you know, changing company culture to be AI and data driven and that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. it was kind of a cool lesson to me that, you know, there are companies out there that for whom that's not the problem made me a little jealous. So, so I thought that was, that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the tech side, that was one that I was actually kind of glad that for most of them, you know, they were sort of like, yep, yeah, you know, we've made the investments in the tech, we've, you know, built the data, we, you know, they're all leveraging our product, which I think, like, you know, I think is a pretty good solve for being able to do this productionalization. And so the fact that, you know, for all of them, they sort of said, hey, we've made the investments in the platform and we've made the investments in our data. So the tech part is going. The process, actually, and kind of back to what we were just talking about from that, how do you do this? What is the project management and process for building it? Like That was where I think most of them sort of said that they were spending their time and their efforts these days. The process. Your initial point is, it makes me think of the panel that I moderated at our executive summit at the conference in which we asked the same question, kind of surveyed across people, people process technology, and universally all of the panelists said that people was the number one problem. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it, the best example I have for this was sitting on an airplane with a guy once, you know, and well, back when we did that. So <laughs> sitting on yeah. the you know, guy kind of asked me what I did. We're talking about data science and he owned like a small, I remember like alarm uh, company, right? Like installed home alarms systems. Okay. He said, well, how would you use this like game theory stuff? He's like, I hear about it. It sounds so cool. Like how do I use this like gaming algorithm stuff to do my business? So I gave him an example of just sort of doing targeted marketing, right? It's like, how do you do this today? So I go, you know, I go put a flyer in every mailbox, you know, and we just pick a neighborhood and do a different neighborhood every day. I said, okay, well, we just look at where has that worked in the past, help you decide where to do it, and then say, oh, you should go to these houses or this street or this neighborhood because this is where you've been most successful in the past. This is where you'll be successful. And he looks at me and he goes, that's stupid. I'd never do that, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like that, that like perfectly encapsulated the challenge of this is like, it doesn't matter how good your analytics are. It doesn't matter how sophisticated what you've done. If you can't actually change how people are going to make decisions, how they're going to do something differently, then it's pointless. And like, 
you have to do that. It's not one person. It's not two people. It's everybody in the company. And as you know, especially for big companies, that's tens, hundreds of thousands of people that you have to get to suddenly do something different tomorrow than they did today. Yeah. I mean, it's an understandable challenge. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure if this is a rat hole yet, but I'm really curious as to whether he offered some explanation why he thought that was stupid. Like, was uh, there some no, rationale behind that or? No, I, I think uh, <laughs> he pretty much was just like, this is how we've always done it. This is how wow. it's done in the business. And it was, you know, and I wasn't going to try to convince him. So it was very, you know, kind of didn't feel like going down that route. But it was just really interesting of sort of like, you know, he has a way he does sales. Mm-hmm. And that was the end of the conversation, right? And so there was no, there really wasn't much more to it than that. It was like, this is just what we do. I said, okay, well, right? Like there are other things you could do with data science, but it's like in your business, this is the first thing that I would do right off the bat. It's a right. super common use case. And he was just like, and he just, yeah. So then we went our separate ways and I read my my book and he read his magazine and we were good. Nice, nice. And so talk a little bit about the the work that you've done with the the various folks on the panel. Yeah. Um, so talk with some. So, you know, the one company that was on the Palo Alto Networks, you know, they've been a customer with us for quite a while. And I think that they've mostly worked in the sales analytics space that, you know, I think that they're doing a pretty like wide variety of work. Um, the thing that I thought was exciting and, and some of the things I've talked with them about is really they're getting to the point where they've just got a lot of models out now. Right. And so it's really getting from the, it's no longer we've built a model and we're testing it or we're convincing the business to unit to do it. And it's now, no, now we've got a bunch of things out there. Now it's actually having robust sort of like, you know, model productionization, monitoring, so that we're not spending all of our time maintaining these models. That's where they're at, which I think is is great, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's been great to see them do that, that journey. As a tech company, of course, you know, they're using, you know, interesting stuff. You know, I spend, when we're working with them, Far more of the time is spent talking about like what does their stack look like? How are they incorporating new technologies into it? Um, different components of the various cloud platforms. So that's some of the stuff that we work with them on. Other end of the spectrum, I can't say as much about the the project, but we had Mike from Jansen at J and J, and without talking about the specifics of the project that they're doing, you know, they had spent this last year really building out a, a data product in support of like one specific initiative. But the thing that I really liked and what we spent a lot of time with them on was they said, we're going to build it this way for this one project and this one product in a way that next year we can do it for every other product line, just one after the other, after the other, after the other. And I think that they've been really smart. They put a ton of time and energy into it. And it's been like really cool. I think what they built was really slick, was really smart. But it was that they spent all the time up front to do it right the first time so that now they can just go and it's, you know, not quite cookie cutter. It's never quite that easy, mm-hmm. but they're going to just be able to like sweep through and go across their product lines. So I think that that one's that one's been really interesting to watch. And and pharma is an area. It's an area that we really like to work with. Um, we have a number of customers in that space. And I think that mostly not so much on the R&D side, right? R&D pharma is still it's a it's a it's, it's, own, beast. Uh, yeah, it's own beast. But as on the commercial side, you know, where we've seen a lot of success and a lot of um, a lot of companies who are really starting to use data science in really interesting and different ways. And I think, again, I wish I could talk more about it, but it's, you know, what they're but I think what Jansen's built has been really cool. It's been really fun to work with them and watch what they're working on. 
And then Colgate, uh, Sarah, who I really liked and had a lot of, um, she's got a lot of experience coming from Walmart and jet.com around what you can do, you know, with especially like digital retail data is helping to now spur that at Colgate. And I, I love what she's doing. She's, you know, sort of what, what I was talking about before of trying to take the stuff that we've seen work in other companies, bring it to companies that are really like at the forefront of the journey. So they're brand new with us. They're just getting started. So we haven't, you know, we're still sort of exploring what sort of projects we can do together with them. But I'm really excited to see where they go because I think, uh, I think Sarah knows her stuff and she's definitely bringing like a good head and a good plan to the table. Nice. Just thinking about the kind of broad description of what Mike is doing at Jensen, are they doing that by, what is it that they're doing that will allow them to scale this thing that they're doing to multiple places? Like, is it focused on building a model very generally, or is it focused on building like layers of abstraction in the right places, or is it focused on kind of building an end-to-end pipeline that's repeatable? Like, how are they thinking about that? So I'd say it's very much the, the like kind of second and third pieces. And so, you know, from a data source perspective, that's the part that's going to probably be the need the most work, you know, as they move through the different product lines. You know, their data sources are similar, but obviously you kind of have to tailor it to each specific model or each specific line. But they've very much modularized how they've built everything. And they've done it so that they can really say, hey, this is the, you know, this is, once we've got our data together, this is how it's going to get combined. This is how it's going to get cleaned. This is how it's going to get structured. And this is how the models are going to be built. And so like they, each of those pieces is going to be able to pretty easily, once they move to a new product line, get the data in order, they're going to be able to just kind of like roll through all of those steps pretty straightforward. And they've built it all very component, right? And so it's not, you know, and I, a big part of what I like about our product is that it allows you to do that pretty seamlessly and sort of say, hey, this is this part, this is this part. It, if you use it right, it can enforce a lot of that sort of like good modularization and like building into discrete steps rather than just having one giant monolithic block of code that somebody's done. The other part around building the pipeline is that from an under-the-hood perspective, they've been really progressive about looking at leveraging Kubernetes, things that are going to be able to scale really well. They've built all of it out so that both from a training and from a productionization perspective, it's going to scale. And so, you know, it's not going to be every time they want to get to the end and put the model out, now they have to go and figure out how to put it into production. It's just going to be plug and play and everything underneath has been built to scale. So just add it in, you know, we'll spin up more clusters to support the training. We'll spin up whatever they need to support, you know, APIs as goes out to production. I really thought through that whole pipeline of what's going to look like to make sure that every time they add to it, everything underneath is going to be able to just scale up and support whatever is next. Or if it's big enough, you know, if they move into, we can pretty much just replicate the whole thing, you know, rather than scaling to support, we can just lift and shift and stand up something else that's, you know, the same thing all over again and continue to scale from there. Mm-hmm. And thinking about that end to end lifecycle and pipeline that you described uh, at Jensen, where does Data EQ kind of start and stop relative to all the other pieces that you described? So we we kind of sit in the middle of it. So <laughs> bad, right? There's sort of not a bad place to be. Not a bad place to be. Um, so, you know, the the thing for us is really we want to support that end-to-end life cycle. 
from data prep through to productionalization. Mm -hmm. um, but a big part of our philosophy is that we'll coexist with whatever your kind of existing stack is. You know, we have, uh, we're opinionated about it and we'll certainly say, hey, if you're setting up something Greenfield in AWS or GCP or whatever, we'll tell you how we think you should do it. But if you've got something that's already there, which I mean, big enterprise companies, everybody's got something already that they've built, we can plug and play with whatever it is. So you don't need to move your data. It doesn't need to be in a specific place. We can connect to it, whether it's on-prem, in the cloud, whatever. And then we'll just give you a view into that to work in the data essentially in place, right? So we'll pull a sample in. That's where you can do all of it within Data IQ. Once you've got your data prepped and you start to do your joins, you start to do your feature engineering, whatever, Again, we're going to write that data back to wherever it is. We don't want to bring it to us. And so we're going to sit on top of your data architecture as it stands. And then in terms of leveraging you know, the mechanics for model development, once you actually kind of get your data together, same thing. You know, We came of age in the, you know, when everybody was building on-prem Hadoop clusters. So you know, if you've <laughs> got an on-prem Hadoop cluster and you want to run your own Spark, go for it. If you're in the cloud and you're leveraging you know, EMR or an on-prem or a, a cloud Hadoop, or Cloud Spark, or now Kubernetes, right? We very much sort of evolved with that, and so you know we want to make sure that we follow obviously the sort of typical separating your data and your compute, but we don't care where you do your compute. If you want to do it in Data IQ, you can do that there. If you want to push it down to Kubernetes, which is definitely where we're you know sort of have invested most of our effort over the last couple of years, and at least from a model development perspective, do it in, in Kubernetes again, whichever cloud you're on, we can leverage the service there. And then from a production standpoint, and this was a big part of what brought me to Data IQ initially and uh, why I'm still a rabid fan of the product, is we support productionalization both from a sort of just automation perspective, right? If you just need to schedule it and run it, but rather than having to figure out how to fit into whatever your front end system is or stick it into some sort of application layer, we have what we call an automation node, which is essentially just a duplicate architecturally of our design area but just scaled to just run jobs. And then, of course, with the right controls and versioning and all of that that goes with it. So when you've got a model that's ready to ship, it just moves to another zone within Data IQ that is admin-controlled, version-controlled, scaled to support, and then that'll run all of your jobs. Or if you want to do APIs, same thing. It's a one-click API deployer, and then your API can sit behind whatever service you need to do, including not just the model API, but you can do some Though, depending on you know what sort of like performance you're looking for, you can also do some of the data prep steps along with that. So you can actually run pretty seamlessly. Hey, I've got this you know data source. I need to do some feature engineering and then stick it in my model and get a thing back. You can do an API on that in a minute once you've built your model. Mm -hmm. And then the core of the Data IQ product is focused on the modeling is that the, the that's the way i've historically thought of the product and where it's come from is that accurate uh i would say it's more the sort of like how do you get from data to model right mm -hmm. um, because that data prep part is so important and i think that that's where i'd really you know i really sort of see it from like look We've got data in one place. We want to make sure that you can, in one place, have your analysts, right, your BI guys or your data analysts, have your data scientists and have your data engineers do that work together in one place from data prep through to modeling to actually then building your production-ready version of it. So that's where, so it's sort of like that chunk of it, but we don't want you to have to do all of your data prep somewhere else or in SQL and then move it and then do your modeling and then move it to production. It's really trying to pull all those things together. 
Mm-hmm. And is there any particular capability or set of features that you think most distinguishes what the Data Eco product brings to bear relative to other folks in the space? The thing that it has always been the differentiator for me has very much been that production side of things um, and just the multivariate way that you can do that. You know, whatever sort of front end you're hooking into, you know, we can automatically generate the API, both the API plus then the actual like coding to insert into your thing in, I don't even know how many languages anymore, but you just say like, all right, I need to pick this up. It's like, all right, it'll give it to you in curl, it'll give it to you in, you know, Ruby or Java or CSS. Like, you know, so we've got a whole sort of like suite of those that, you know, once your data scientist has built the model, getting it out the door is extremely, extremely easy. The other thing that I would say, and this is a newer one, that has really, I think, been a, a big lift for us is many data scientists, they're not UI experts, they're not production experts. And so you built a model because we're statisticians or we're, you know, whatever, but we're coming from that side of things. And then you say, how do I get this into the hands of my users? And if you're not a front-end developer, you know, you might learn enough Shiny to build something, but, you know, let's be honest, we built a lot of janky apps or we just send people to the right? One of my favorite things to say is like, you know, when you, you know, you go to your CEO and you said, hey, look at all this money you've, I've invested in data science. What did I get for it? And you're like, here's your new CSV. It's like, <laughs> right? not doing yourselves any favors. And so we've built, you know, we've always been able to do web apps, but actually built some no code application layer on top of it now. Um, oh, wow. So it's not, it's not what I would do for a long-term production, right? You know, that's not the thing that I'd give to somebody to use for 10 years. But in terms of building prototypes, in terms of giving somebody what they can use for the first six or 12 months while you're waiting for actually integrating into whatever the application layer is, I really like that because it makes it easier for data scientists to get their work into the hands of business users in a way that like actually reflects the value of what they're doing better. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Connor, thanks so much for taking the time to oh, check in and, and share a bit about what you pulled together for the event. It was great having you at Tomocon. No, thank you so much for the opportunity, Sam. It was a blast, and, and thanks for having me back again. Awesome. Thank you. All right, everyone. That's our show for today. To learn more about today's guest or the topics mentioned in this interview, visit TwimmelAI.com. Of course, if you like what you hear on the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcatcher. Thanks so much for listening and catch you next time.